Wisdom from Above with Dr. Harlan Betts. Here's Harlan. Merry Christmas, my podcast friends. Welcome to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. We're in the midst of a Christmas mini-series, and today's topic is this. What lessons can we learn from the wise men? One Christmas, a parent decreed that she was no longer going to remind her children of their thank-you-note duties. As a result, their grandmother never received acknowledgement of the generous checks she had given. The next year, things are different, however. The children came over in person to thank me, the grandmother told a friend triumphantly. Oh, how wonderful, the friend exclaimed. What do you think caused the change in behavior? Oh, that's easy, the grandmother replied. This year, I didn't sign the checks. <laughs> One of the things that sometimes plagues people is what gift to purchase. This is especially true when they feel like the person they want to give a gift to already has just about everything they could ever want. By the way, I have discovered the perfect gift for the person who has everything. Buy them a calendar so they can keep track of the dates their payments are due. <laughs> Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. Most people's thoughts turn outward towards others. Christmas music fills the air. One of the classic Christmas songs asks a probing question. What gift can we give to a little boy, a little boy born in a manger? What gift can we bring him? What gift can we give to the little boy king? Well, that Christmas song gives us uh, a few hints, talking about love and brotherhood, peace and goodwill. Those are good gifts, but it falls short of what we can actually give the little boy king. What gift can we give to Jesus? I believe we can find the answer to that question in Matthew chapter 2. If you're not driving a vehicle or exercising, you might want to grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 2. First, we see the arrival of the wise men in Matthew 2, 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Notice, first of all, it says after Jesus was born. It's not when Jesus was born, but rather it is correctly translated after Jesus was born. How long after is not spelled out. Could have been a week, could have been months. The verse does not say. We also read that it's in the days of Herod the king. Herod was proclaimed king of the Jews by the Roman Senate uh, by nomination of Antony and Octavian. Herod reigned as king of the Jews from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. Without going into the technical details, let me just say that Jesus' birth has been fairly solidly established as having taken place around December 25, 5 B.C. The town, Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. David was born in Bethlehem. David was anointed king in Bethlehem. And Jesus, the greatest son of David, was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And Jesus called himself the bread of life, 
the true manna from heaven. And notice the profession of these men. They were magi from the east. Magi were wise men, men skilled in a study of the sciences, especially in astrology and astronomy. Daniel, the Jewish boy captured and deported to Babylon, became a magi in Babylon. Daniel 2.48 says, And the king made Daniel to be the chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. And what was the purpose of these wise men? Well, in verse 2 it says they went to Jerusalem, the capital city of the Jews, and their purpose, as spelled out in this verse, is twofold. First, to find the newborn king of the Jews, and second, to worship this newborn king of the Jews. Now let's talk just a moment about their guidance. The wise men explained the reason for their quest was that they had seen his star in the east. This star was apparently a remarkable, God-designed astrological phenomena which occurred in their homeland, and it signaled to them the birth of the king of the Jews. Seeing this star there in the east, in their homeland, they were convinced that they needed to travel westward to find this newborn king. The star was probably accompanied by some revelation from God. Certainly Babylon's wise men learned from Daniel about the coming Messiah, a future ruler who would be born to the Jews about this time. That knowledge was probably passed on to the Persians as well when they conquered Babylon. Daniel predicted a future ruler who would be born of the Jews about this time. Perhaps also there was some divine or angelic communication to these wise men, as there had been to Joseph and Mary, the Bible does not say. What we know is they were in the east and they saw a star. And because of that, they knew that the king of the Jews had been born, so they went to Jerusalem, the king of Israel, where the Jews lived. The second thing that is highlighted is the anxiety of Herod. We see the reaction of Herod in verses 3 and 4. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Herod was half Jewish and half Idumean. Edomite blood ran in his veins. He was related to Esau, and the connection is significant. He was a gifted ruler, but he was an old ruler, and he was extremely suspicious. Herod guarded his throne like a paranoid military policeman. Herod killed his two sons, Aristobulus and Alexander. Herod killed his wife, Mariamne. Herod killed his mother-in-law, Alexandra. Herod killed his brother-in-law, Aristobulus. Herod also killed another son and potential heir to the throne, Antipater. Herod basically sought to kill every potential rival or heir to his throne. So that's part of his nature. Now notice his emotions. The Bible says Herod was inwardly shaken and upset. And so was all Jerusalem. Of course, not for the same reason. Herod was upset because he could envision a Jewish movement to dethrone him and to crown the rightful heir to the throne of David. The city was upset because they knew what Herod was like and 
They thought of the possible measures he might take to squelch any rebellion and to destroy any and all rivals to his throne. But notice the revelation that's found there in verses 3 and 4. Herod does not ask, where is the king of the Jews to be born? Instead, he asks, where is the Messiah to be born? You see, Herod knew full well what was prophesied about the king of the Jews. He knew that the king of the Jews would be the promised Messiah. Now notice the response of the chief priests and scribes in verses 5 and 6. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd his people Israel. So without a moment's hesitation or a single voice of dissent, the chief priests and scribes said that the king of the Jews, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written through the prophet. And then they went on to quote Micah 5.2. You see, God spoke through the prophet Micah. God made it crystal clear that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And then notice the reaction of Herod in verses 7 and 8. Then Herod, when he had uh, secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to them, he, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. So first of all, he seeks to determine from the Magi how long ago the star appeared to them. And that's so he could know how, about how old the child is. Second, he seeks to deceive the Magi by telling them to search diligently for the child and let them know where the child is so he can also go and worship the newborn king. Third, he seeks to destroy the newborn king. His real desire is not to worship this child, but rather to destroy this child. And we know that he murdered hundreds of baby boys just to make sure that he murdered the baby Messiah. Now, the third thing highlighted in this passage is the adoration of the wise men in verses 9 to 12. When they heard the king, they had departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east, notice the past tense, the star which they had seen in the east, it went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So first we read about the guidance of the star in verses 9 and 10. First of all, it's appearing. The, the star they had seen in the east reappeared. They saw the star in the east, possibly at the time of Jesus' birth. It shone for a while, we don't know how long, serving as a call to the Magi to go and find the king. Then it disappeared. So the Magi went all the way from their home in the east, all the way to Jerusalem, without the aid of the star. 
They went to Jerusalem because they were seeking the baby born as the king of the Jews. They went to the palace of Herod to inquire about the birthplace of this new king. And then we see the star leading them. After seeing Herod, they went outside and the star reappeared. Don't miss the response of Magi on seeing this star reappear. It says they rejoiced, but there's more. They rejoiced exceedingly, but there's more. They rejoiced exceedingly with joy, but there's more. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The reappearance of this star brought great joy to the Magi. And the star led them from Jerusalem down south to Bethlehem until the star stopped and stood directly over the house where the Christ child was. And where was the Christ child? Look again at verse 11. He was in a house. The Bible does not say he was in a stable. Yes, I know that Jesus was in a stable when he was born, and he was laid in a manger at the time of his birth. Yes, the shepherds went to see Jesus while he was in that stable, lying in that manger. But please note, by the time that these wise men arrived in Bethlehem, Joseph had secured a house for himself, his wife Mary, and the baby Jesus to stay in. We don't know how long this was after the birth of Jesus that the Magi arrived. He's clearly less than two years old at this time, probably less than one year old. We don't know exactly how old Jesus is at the time the wise men arrived. Verse 16 isn't definitive. Herod probably allowed an ample margin of error to make sure that Jesus would be included in the slaughter. Because Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent and put forth, put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So, the Magi, the wise men, went into the house. They saw the child with his mother. Note that every time the child and his mother are mentioned, the child is mentioned first. After all, the child is the Son of God. And then we see the gifts for the king. The, the wise men went into the house. They saw the child, Jesus, and his mother, Mary. They worshipped the Christ child. And opening their treasures... They presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Before saying anything about the gifts individually, I'd like to say something about them as a group. The Bible says they opened their treasures. Treasures. These gifts were valuable. These gifts were kept in special vaults or, or uh, caskets. These gifts were kept in a special place. They were closely guarded. They were valuable, precious, generous, sacrificial gifts. The gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, you might be asking, well, what's the significance of these gifts? Well, gold, a precious metal of great beauty and value, and splendor was a gift to honor and signify Jesus' royalty since he is a king. Frankincense, a fragrant aromatic compound burned in worship of a god, is a gift to honor and signify Jesus' divinity since he is God. So gold for royalty, frankincense for divinity, and then myrrh 
for humanity, myrrh is a fragrant oil used in perfuming, anointing, and embalming the dead, a gift to honor and signify Jesus' humanity since he's a man. Now, I know that we probably put too much emphasis on the star, about which God tells us very little, or on the wise man, of whom God tells us neither their names, nor their number, nor the country from which they came. Instead, the Bible places emphasis on the Christ child, and on why they searched for the Christ child, and on what they did when they found the Christ child. The wise men kind of glide into the narrative, present their adoration and gifts, and then silently glide away. But why did they come? They came to worship Jesus. So what lessons do we learn from the wise men? Well, we can learn lessons from their gifts, lessons about the Christ child, gold because he's the coming king. Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born, and the government shall be on his shoulders. Jesus is coming back as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Then there's frankincense. He is the gracious God. Isaiah 7.14 says, A virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then there is myrrh. He is the suffering Savior. Isaiah 53 talks about how Jesus lays down his life and dies for our sins. We can also learn lessons from the wise men about what to give. What gift shall I give to the little boy? The little boy laid in a manger. What gift can we bring him? Well, what did the wise men do? Number one, they seek Christ. The gift of spiritual passion, longing for and looking for an opportunity to meet and know Jesus. Second, they worship Christ, genuine worship, the gift of genuine worship, bowing before the God-man, loving him, honoring him, and praising him. Third, they gave gifts to Christ, gracious giving, the gift of gracious giving, surrendering all to him. You know, sometimes we hear the phrase, saved to serve. Actually, we're saved to worship. And then genuine, willing, devoted service will flow out of true worship. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy, Christ the Lord. I give my life unto him. I give my life unto him. I give my life unto him, Christ the Lord. My podcast friends, Wise men still seek Jesus. Wise men still worship Jesus. Wise men still give their best to Jesus. May you be numbered among those who are wise. What a joy it is to go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. What an opportunity we have to seek Jesus, 
to worship Him and give our lives to Him. Please feel free to send these podcasts to your family and friends. This is Dr. Harlan Betts wishing you a blessed Christmas season. The good Lord willing, we can meet again next week as we continue this passionate quest for wisdom from above.